everyone to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revolution took a really 2-2 draw from Orlando's night. New England showed some rotation in tonight's match with nine changes to the lineup. Uh, and Orlando, who is still battling for playoff positioning, made the Revs pay early. They built a 2-0 lead. Uh, but Adam Buxa came off the bench to save the day with a brace. His 15th and 16th goals of the season, helping the Revs leave Florida with a 2-2 draw. Uh, and, oh yeah, the Revolution won the supporter, supporter Shield for the first time in their history. So uh, following a, a Seattle Sounders loss on Saturday. So a very, very good weekend to be a Revs fan. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Chris Malukas. Chris, how are you? Matt, how am I doing? Supporter Shield, a Books and Brace? Come on, can you, can I be any happier right now? Let's go. Uh, I'm stoked. I'm so happy. Uh, I can't wait to to see the Revs get back into Foxborough Stadium and just have the the home fans really embrace them and and see that homecoming. Um, when I mean, I don't know how the Wednesday night match is gonna gonna be for a turnout, but you know that that November seventh game is looking real juicy. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun to see the Supporter Shield finally make it into Foxborough. Um, actually, we're going to go straight to a listener comment. I actually don't have a whole ton of takeaways from this game. Normally, we start out with a takeaway, uh, a key takeaway from the game. It's hard to take away a lot from this game because so many um, rotating players came in, but uh, we do have Adam Buxa, number one fan, who is on the line. We're going to start out with a listener question tonight. So, Adam Buxa, number one fan, uh, also known as Super Angry 66691. Uh, how are you doing tonight? What are your thoughts on tonight's game? Oh, and he muted himself. No, uh, the perils of live live uh, broadcasting. I, yeah, I went straight to the people this time. Adam Books, the number one fan. Are you there? I mean, if you're asking who the number one fan is, I guess I am here. And I don't know who this this uh, imposter is calling himself or herself the number one fan. It's uh, it's, it's a little bit you know in my face here. Very possible he's on his desktop. Usually it works better if you are on your mobile phone. Uh, so just a little heads up there uh, to the listeners out there that uh, maybe there's some technical difficulties. Before we get into it, Chris, why don't we talk about uh, the lineup. The Revolution run out nine uh, re- substitutions, or not substitutions, but they changed nine players in their lineup this week. Really, Only Andrew Farrell uh, and Matt Turner started in this game. Uh, were you s- surprised to see the rotation, obviously, with the Revolution clinching the supporters' shield? Uh, on yesterday, on Saturday, uh, you know, obviously I think Bruce Arena wanted to rest some of his key players. Uh, were you surprised to see that rotation? And then on top of that, were you surprised to see the key players coming in midway through this game at halftime in the 60th minute? Yes and no. So uh, absolutely surprised to see the 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 substitutions being made in, in the rotation. If there was rotation, I expected it to be in the midweek match, not tonight. Uh, maybe it makes a bit more sense doing it that way because of the the current schedule. The Revolution are playing a Wednesday, a Sunday, and a Wednesday, uh, so I guess it does make sense maybe just to rest some more players on that on the Sunday game. But the entire squad that was a real shocker to me. I didn't quite see that. The only only regular starters that were that were in the starting eleven was Andrew Farrell and Matt Turner. Uh, I, I I just I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, you know the team finally clinches their first ever supporter shield and everyone's uh, run, like riding this real high. And then we get into the, the match, you know, just over 24 hours later. And then you roll out this lineup. It was a little bit, uh, I don't know, like a sideways uh, stance you, you thought- that I ended up taking. It, it was really threw me for a loop. Mm. Well, well, and, and I think, I wonder too, if 
conditions to, you know, impact this decision because it was coming down very hard in this game. And, and, you know, I I think Bruce has before had um, planned substitutions where he brings in people at halftime in 60 minutes. So I feel like this was a bit of a script in these limiting minutes here. Um, But I wonder if we might have seen more of a uh, first team if it wasn't, you know, a downpour. Uh, and, and maybe he wanted to kind of rest some of his key players from playing in these conditions. The one thing I'll say about this lineup, too, is I was a little surprised Matt Turner started because I know some people have been talking about how much he's been playing. He's never really even had a full season in MLS. You know, he, 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 his first season, he ended up uh, getting benched towards the end of the year. His second year, he wasn't the starter. He was behind Cropper at Knighton. Uh, and then last year, obviously, there was the COVID, so he didn't play as many games. So, I wonder if maybe a little bit of fatigue is setting in for Matt Turner. And I thought maybe Brad Knighton getting another game. You know, if you're going to do a line change anyway, why not put in Knighton? So um, a, a little surprised about, um, you know, Matt Turner not getting the night off while everyone else did. And also Andrew Farrell has been, you know, one guy that's been playing all year round too. Surprised we didn't see a Kessler-Bell pairing to see how that works. Cause that's something that I think Bruce has talked about doing in the past. But Alas, uh, interesting lineup overall. It ended up working out in the end. I was a little surprised to see the starters coming in. Um, you know, I feel like if you're going to rest players, rest players. Uh, but, it, it, you know, Bruce knows better than me, and, and that result uh, is proof of that. So, I, I, Well, and I have to say, once I, once I came to grips with the lineup, I really thought that it was a, it was a good idea. Like, I needed to just, like, let go of what I wanted to see and think about what's better for the team. And I think that, you know, Bruce made the right decision in going out with this sort of a lineup. And I thought seeing Bunbury and Boateng playing together was really delightful. You know, they weren't a fantastic duo up top, but it was really fun and interesting to see how they, they played together and how they both really pressed the, the uh, played the high press against Orlando. Uh, and I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we, I think we have Adam Buxa, number one fan, back on the line. Adam Buxa, number one fan, are you there? Yeah, what's up? Yes, it works second time. Uh, how's it going? What, what's on your mind tonight? Adam Buxa, best striker in the league, no doubt, easily. Number one. Apparently, according to some Fox Sports hosts, he's also an MVP candidate, which I think before the game we kind of laughed at. But honestly, I, I mean, maybe we can make that outside argument. I, I don't think so. I, I still think that he uh, is, is maybe third on this list, uh, uh, third on, on the team in terms of uh, MVP candidates. But, boy, what a game changer today. And, you know, Sometimes we talked last year a lot about the revs struggled against teams that bunkered in and there was no way to break them down. And Adam Buxa is such a threat in the air that, you know, it's a very simple play to Juan Jones on that second one, just a simple cross. Buxa is able to out jump the defense. Uh, It's instant offense and he's such a weapon there. So a a real game changer. Uh, Adam Buxa, best striker in the league. I'm all for that. Chris, any thoughts? I'm riding that train. I've been riding that train since 2020, man. Yeah, he, we, no, he easily – we saw in the game a few months ago against uh, the Red Bulls, we were down, uh, what was it, three, like uh, two, two zero, 75th minute. Adam Buxa comes back with, I think, two goals uh, for the win, for the 3-2 win. It's mm-hmm. just he's – a, he's a game changer completely. And he does so much more than just score goals too. Uh, yeah, all his play off the ball, it really generates a lot of offense and it, it allows the rest of the team to play in – into the attack, and I think it's it's such an overlooked aspect of his game, and the fact that he's such a physical presence, uh, I think that goes a, you know a little bit you know understated uh, as far as uh, Adam Buchs's play. Uh, I I would say he's the best striker if you give me a list of strikers around the league and tell me who you want. Uh, I would pick Adam Buchs. Am I biased? One hundred percent. 
but I still want Adam Books out there. I know he hits a lot of posts, but you know, imagine if half of his his shots that hit the post went into the net. You know, he'd be over twenty goals this season. He'd have double digits last season. Uh, it'd be it'd be really impressive, and he'd have even more goals for Poland too. I mean, it's honestly a shame that that they have that people have uh, Raul Rui Diaz as an MVP candidate over it, Adam Buxa. That's where I find it clownery around that that area. Well, I, yeah. I think I think the the issue with Adam Buxa here is that he you'll split the revs votes. It's very hard to say, you know, Adam Buxa. His, his MVP case is really strong because you do have Gustavo Bo who is putting up some great goal and assist numbers. Carlos Hill is the best playmaker in the league. It's it's weird to say because you look at the numbers and you think these are MVP level numbers. He does deserve to you know be in the conversation, I would say. But being you know probably I think a lot of supporters would say third on your team in in terms of um, the third most important player. Um, and even then, I, I think some people would rate Matt Turner above uh, Adam Books in terms of importance, quote unquote, and, and maybe behind Tejan Buchanan as well. So it, it's I think he's hurt very much, uh, and that's why uh, uh, you know uh, other other players on other teams when they are the clear favorite and the clear number one important piece on their team, I, I think that's why they are getting the shouts on that in that level. I will say that Adam Buxton now has a better stat line than Raul Ruiz Diaz. Uh, Ruiz Diaz has 16 goals and one assist on the season. Adam Buxton with 16 goals and three assists definitely puts him a, a, ahead of Raul Ruiz Diaz on the Golden Boot list. Uh, and now, you know, there's only Ola Kamara left, and Ola Kamara has been on a pretty cold streak lately. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. It'll be really fun to see. A Revs player actually take home the the golden boot as well. The golden boot says, I tweeted to Greg earlier today or messaged Greg. Yes, uh, and I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, we, we're not going to cover the DC game, but that back heel uh, pass to Gustavo Bo on Wednesday. I believe that was the DC game on Wednesday. I yeah, think. Chef's uh, kiss. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, Randy LH has been waiting to uh, comment on tonight's game. Randy, how's it going? What are your thoughts tonight? Hey, gentlemen, doing well. How are you all doing? We're doing phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Doing a hell of a lot better than it was 30 minutes ago when we were down 2-1. It looked like it was uh, ending. Um, it's funny how much I, I didn't think I cared about that game, and then Adam Books has scored that second goal, and I, was mm, like, oh, and I, I jumped up. Absolutely. Woke my poor dog up. I felt bad about it. <laughs> I, I Speaking of which, though, I'd actually want to talk about that. You all already mentioned the lineup changes that he made coming into the game, and I want to get your thoughts on the significant changes about halfway through and then around the 60th minute or so when all of our, you know, our five best players came on the field. On the one hand, yeah, getting a point is phenomenal. Going for three is great. You want to cultivate a winning or at least a, a fighting to the very end mentality, and, and that's all awesome. On the other hand, I mean – Practically speaking, this game and the next two are actually meaningless. They don't actually mean anything for our season with the exception of the points record, which you don't get a trophy or anything for. So, I mean, it's great, but practically speaking, we don't really care. So where do you all fall on that? Like, I'm, I'm glad that he did it because the end result was so good, but I think I would be feeling differently if we ended up losing 2-1 or 3-2 or something like that. So where do you all fall on that uh, the decision to, to play the starters eventually? Yeah, I agree. I, oh, oh. Sorry, Ooh. someone cut me off there. So you go, whoever, whoever starts talking, go. All right. I agree 100% with that because I tweeted out earlier uh, before the lineups proposed. I said, I really hope that Bruce Arena uh, doesn't start the starters this game because it will just, you know, give give some of the players some time. Like Masiel, who hasn't seen minutes in a long time, honestly. 
it, it gave him some time to adjust to the game more before playoffs. And I think uh, adding them to the final of the game was a great idea as well. But that, that's just my take, honestly. Yeah, I, I – it's interesting because in my mind, if you're resting guys, you're resting guys. And I, I think with the game on Wednesday too, you're still going to be able to keep your players fresh, even if you give them a full 90 minutes off. Um, so I, I was a little surprised. It seems like rest was important here to some degree, and they're kind of managing minutes. Um, but yeah, does this draw? I mean, at the end of the day, is this really that impactful? Not really. Um, I, I don't think the Revs, you know, I don't think bow or heel is not very sharp um or, or they're going to lose sharpness if they wait until wednesday for colorado to play um now i wonder you know one narrative that's going around is you know once the playoffs start between that november 7th game against miami and their next one it's going to be 20 to 25 days off for the revs uh, and bruce arena kind of made a comment that uh, he joked that you know they stupidly qualified for the bye so they're going to have some extra rest and they're talking about potentially bringing in a usl side to scrimmage during that long gap so um you know it might be that they're trying to get their best players some rest but also trying to keep some sharpness as well so i, I think that maybe that is kind of what they're going for but in my mind i wouldn't have made that change it was a uh, very wet field orlando was very physical towards the end of that half and then i think you made this point too uh adam books a fan um you know i wanted to see some of these other players get some minutes and see who, who could earn minutes tonight i wanted to see maciel uh, play against a really tough Orlando team at home uh, in poor conditions. I wanted to see Mafla and De La Garza, who I, I don't think were particularly very sharp tonight. Um, I wanted to see Tristesen to see if he could earn some minutes. I wanted to see Bunbury up top. Um, and, you know, we, we did see a little bit of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I would have made those. Um, I don't know if I would have made those changes. And when they went down 2 nothing, I definitely uh, wasn't a fan of those changes. So I've rambled on a little so, bit. I, That's my thoughts. I think I, maybe I would chime in on this and say Bruce might be going for something that I would call situational preparedness uh, as we're heading into the playoffs and you're down two goals uh, and you're putting on your, your starters saying, hey, this is a situation that you're going to be facing potentially in the postseason. How are you going to respond? Show me that you're going to go out there and you're going to get this correct. This is, you know, these are professional athletes. This is something that they should be able to take care of and should be able to handle. But this is also a scenario that you are not able to replicate, especially in such a volatile atmosphere, even though the Revs don't have to worry about that the rest of the season now. It's still a fantastic you know, training exercise, if nothing else, before heading into the, to the playoffs and you know, getting into some of those situations potentially uh, and seeing how, how the team is going to react. I think that's a great point, Chris. I, I actually 100% agree that that might have been what he was doing. And, and I think it's a good idea if it was. And the one other thing I think is, you know, the way we were playing, if we hadn't made some substantial substitutions, we could have lost that game four or five to nothing. I mean, Orlando was dominating the game right up until we scored the first goal, frankly, which was like the practically the 80th minute. Like Orlando was going to trounce us. And you got to wonder what that would do to the mentality of these, you know, B team guys. And even, you know, the couple of A teamers or first teamers, whatever, who were brought on, like you get absolutely beaten down right before the playoffs start. That, that can't be good for, cultivating the, the right mentality of the team. So I, I think that might have played a played a role in it too. I, I will say it could have gone the other direction too, though. So to your point, Randy, if any player got injured, for instance, I know we, that uh, Greg and Sean and I were talking about this quite a bit during the match. If any, any player got injured, this would be a completely different storyline. Mm. And, and I'll, I'll add on to Randy's point, though, 
on why you don't want to get crushed in this game. <clears throat> in this game, you know, you might see Orlando in the playoffs. So if Orlando is hanging a four nothing win over you, even if it's a little fluky, you know, it, it, mentally that might do something to the kind of psyche of the players going into that game. So, uh, Mike, any revs UK? I know you've been on hold a long time. Also, Paul and Gustavo, I know you're on hold too. But we'll we'll get to Mike first. Uh, and then I'll hop to you guys. If you wanted, to, if anyone listening wants to join in the conversation, you can request to listen. Uh, I'll get to you guys one at a time. Everyone will get to talk and, and express their thoughts on the revs. But uh, Mike, any revs UK? Thank you for joining us. I know it's past your bedtime. What are your thoughts on tonight's game? <laughs> we start this every time it's past my bedtime. Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, I, I think I, I actually was. I came into this with a, a different thought, but obviously, what Chris has literally just said about the. If it was an idea to to help us kind of gain that mental fortitude that you know there's going to be a chance that we ought to be tuning down in a playoff game, I think that's a great call from Bruce. But at the same time, I was worried that if any of them players picked up a you know a, an injury, it could, it could have been it could have been really bad for us. Especially obviously, as just we we've all mentioned, the pitch wasn't you know in the best condition due to the uh, the weather, but. I feel like we had some good good moments in the game. Even even when we were two 0 down, I wasn't really overly con- concerned. Um, but then it it seemed that, that Orlando kind of looked to almost go for the kill, and that's when I did start getting a bit worried. Because I didn't really want a three four nil loss hanging over us against, uh, especially a team like Orlando. Uh, mm. Mostly because they've got Nanny in their team. If I'm being brutally honest, um, yeah. but the biggest takeaway for, for me of the whole match was. Um, I still don't understand um, what Wilfred Captoom is doing. I don't. I don't. I don't get what what we saw in him um, or what his position is for the Revs. What he can offer us? Because for, for me, I always look at players and football players are generally all uh, all of a of a similarish standard. So they've all got to a certain level because of you know they can, they can play football to a decent decent standard. But I always look at players and what they do off the ball. Because I think that's the, the biggest thing for um for noticing you know the difference between world class players and and just good players and i i watched work through a lot tonight and i just i didn't get it i don't i don't i don't understand what what he's been brought in to do or operas because for me he's not shown anything at all so just wondering what your guys thoughts on cap team is you know i think that he was brought in essentially to back up uh carly's heel uh, obviously the salary he's getting it's not necessarily a backup's type salary but uh, positionally it's a, it's a lot of where do you play him i know he's been put as a as a defensive midfielder or, or more box-to-box central midfielder than a, than he is attacking but his skill set really pushes him into the attacking side uh I, as i say that i'm careful to mention that because he he is very good at you know uh losing the ball when it comes to one-on-one challenges he's also pretty skilled at getting around players. I thought that he showed uh, a lot more tonight than he's shown for the rest of the season or earlier on in the season. Uh, at the same time, I think that he also showed why he's not uh, a consistent starter for this club. You know, Footmob rates him a 7.1 for tonight, which I think is actually maybe kind, if anything. Uh, but he did have 84% pass success, which I which I, I thought was a good sign from him. Uh, 58 touches, which is... a, a another positive uh, when it comes to Wilfred Captoon because uh, he's typically not getting over 50 touches a game when he does play. Um, so I, I think those are a couple of positives to take away. I thought that he did okay. But um, as far as what is he supposed to offer, I'm not really sure. You know, I, I see him more as a backup uh, bench player, and I think that's exactly the role that he's falling into. 
Well, I, I think originally what the thought was was he would be paired with Polster um, in kind of that four-two-three-one, and I think we saw some flashes tonight from Captoom. I thought this was one of his better games. Uh, he was five for six on dribbles uh, attempted tonight. Um, he had ten recoveries. Um, he did play a full ninety minutes, and and he came in with some injuries earlier this season. So I wonder if, you know, he doesn't have that explosiveness right now, you know, with Adam Buxa taking off this season. I wonder if maybe he's getting adjusted to the league a little bit as well. So I know we've been hard on him lately. I'm going to kind of take the half glass half full kind of approach right now and kind of say maybe there's something a little bit more to him. and Maybe he's going to be this, you know, great ball-possessing midfielder with some vision then, and we just haven't seen the best of him yet. Um, but from what we've seen so far – um, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Mike. I'm still not totally sure why this is a half a million dollar player, which is which is what he's getting paid. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with him in this offseason. I wonder if they still see some more potential and they just don't need him right now. Um, this could be a scenario kind of similar to Moffla where they brought him in for this role. And, you know, just like how Moffla was replaced with Dewan Jones and they didn't really need Moffla. Tommy McNamara has kind of taken over that role a little bit. Um, and there's been kind of some players in the central midfield that have kind of taken away those minutes and we haven't really needed cap to him. Um, but yeah, o- overall I'm uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's really tough to say like, what is the one thing cap does really, really well. Um, I, I really struggle to tell you what that is. I I'm, I'm not completely sure. And you kind of, you'd kind of hope uh, to see a little bit more of a guy that brings in that salary. So. Yeah, and uh, half a million dollars, Mike, just so you know, that's 363,000 uh, British pounds. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank, thank yeah, you yeah. for the conversion there. Uh, thank you for the conversion there, Chris. Uh, Gustavo Lopez, I know you've been waiting a long time. I think this is the first person ever to go directly from radio to live Twitter spaces. But Gustavo, very excited to have you on Revolution Recap. Uh, what are your thoughts on tonight's game? Thank you, my friend. I'm, it's a huge honor to be here. I just left the radio. I'm about to eat a Brazilian hot dog which I recommend you all to do. Uh, <laughs> just talking a little bit on, on Captain. I don't think you should ask him about why he's worth half a million dollars. You should ask who brought him, who saw him, because I believe nobody went to saw him playing. I don't think so. And I I, I like him so far, but I don't think he's worth a fi- uh, like half a million dollars. But I think you should ask who brought him, what did they saw to make, like to buy him and, pay him that much um i like the lineup i i didn't expect bruce i told this before the game i didn't expect bruce to go with a like a full team he always do that he always makes the teams for like five or six uh bench players in the team and then he puts jill and the rest of like the starters in the second half uh i i want to say i'm sorry to books for everything bad i ever said about him (laughs) It was a lot of stuff, so I'm sorry multiple times. Uh, I'm so happy for Marcel. Uh, I talked to him, and he was, like, injured. And, of course, the Ravs didn't tell us much about what Ranger and all that. But, like, he's such a nice kid. He's trying to learn English. He's a great player, and I, I feel so happy for him for coming back for the first team. Um, and I'm so, like... I would say happy because of the second the the second half, but like the I think the Boateng and Trust Austin cannot play together at all. I think both of them made the team down in creation. I think the Rebs should hire another playmaker for next season to be in the bench. I don't think Captain is that guy. I don't think McNamara is that guy. The same way I don't think uh, Marcel is that guy. So I think in a depth charge, the team needs 
someone to like be a like uh, a bench playmaker to come on the second half when you don't have Joe. Uh, but like in overall, I like the team performance. I think AJ was a little bit off tonight. I've missed some, one of the reporters to ask that. I, I think someone uh, should have asked that to Bruce whether he what's the thoughts on AJ performance tonight because I think he was a little bit off. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the penalty. I'm just going to talk about Nani not going to like shoot penalty, which I thought was one of the worst things I ever saw from a soccer player of his level. I think he was supposed to be the one to go kick the penalty and not walk away from it. So that's pretty much it. And I think Turner is, is also a little bit off, but I don't think he has fallen enough the two goals tonight. And great game by Andrew Ferro tonight. I, I agree with pretty much everything you said right there. And I do want to also give a shout-out to Maciel, who I, I think the only real complaint I have from him tonight, I would have to go through my notes again, um, but he had a moment, I believe the second goal, he could have probably crossed that down a little bit better. That was a really nice goal overall. And I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just nitpicking here, but uh, for a guy to come up from reps to, to immediately be in the mix at the beginning of the season like he was, I know he's had some injuries um, it, it's probably a very difficult spot for a kid to be in. But, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, talking about Captoom and how he's kind of disappointed. He's one of the players. Maciel has been one of the players that has really stepped up and added to a crowded midfield, which I think coming into the season, a lot of people kind of saw as a weakness. So um, he's a phenomenal player. I'm sure he's going to be with the Revolution next year and, you know, for years uh, in the future. But it's going to be very exciting to see him grow. Uh, and it's really nice to see the Revolution 2 uh, uh, USL side Um you know, bringing up some talent in him and uh, John Bell and kind of paying off dividends this season. Yeah, I want to I want to echo that a little bit on Masiel because I thought that he had a, a great performance tonight. And Gustavo, thank you for bringing him up as well. You know, I was just talking about Captoon's numbers and I'm looking at Masiel's right now. He had better passing statistics, uh, 95% completion, just about the same amount of touches as Captoon. Uh, but he actually did a very good job when it comes to duels as well. You know, he won five of his eight duels. Uh, it's something that you you want to see from uh, a defensive midfielder. That's you know, especially a, young, a younger midfielder coming up from from the reserves team to the first team. Uh, I thought he had a very good game overall. Uh, I, I'm not going to be like Greg and nitpick right now. You know what? The Revs are supporter shield winners, and uh, this game didn't matter. And uh, I'm not going to be negative, Nancy tonight. Well, yeah, I, I, and sorry for cutting you off, but when they when I saw Massel on the team, I was like, why do they need Captain and Massel? I think they play in the same position. I think they do pretty much the same job. Like, theoretically, they do the same position, the same job. So I think that's a good fight to see who's above who in the depth chart. And uh, so far, from what I saw, I think Massel is stepped up very well. And I think he's the guy in the midfield from when we need someone from the bench. I don't think he's above McNamara or Poster, of course. But I think he's our third option in midfield. I, I absolutely agree. I, I agree 100% with that analysis there, Gustavo. Uh, the, the one thing I do want to add also about your comments there is AJ De La Garza. Uh, and, and I don't want me to call anyone out, maybe potentially someone in the – maybe another Revolution podcaster uh, in the chat. But I've been hearing some, some chatter recently about potentially starting AJ De La Garza over Brandon Bay uh, and that potentially being a battle. Uh, and, and I got to say, uh, I, I you know – I think Brandon By, while he's had some struggles, AJ De La Garza, I don't think, did anything to win minutes tonight. Uh, I, I don't think that was a really good showing at all. Footmob has him as the lowest rated player on the Revolution tonight. 
Um, he 76% pass accuracy, which is pretty decent, but he was only three for eight uh, on duels one. Uh, and he obviously had that penalty conceded. Uh, just seemed to be a little bit mismatched going up against Nani tonight. Really not a good showing from De La Garza. I think he's the big loser on the Revolution tonight in terms of a guy that potentially could have cracked his way into some minutes uh, down the stretch and maybe into the postseason. Um, but I, I think he's kind of solidified himself as a depth piece. So uh, Paul Girard has been... Yeah, the, sorry, just, sorry, just a, a, a short thing. Of, I got to leave. Thank you again for like inviting me for the show. I love you guys' podcast. I always send questions. I love y'all, and please, people, if you have the opportunity, go try a Brazilian hot dog. It's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, well, Gustavo. And, and and Gustavo, you can you can leave too. But I want all of our listeners to know. You know, we hear a lot about people that don't cover the team. There's not enough people covering the team. Gustavo has been a great addition uh, to the Revolution Media. So please make sure you give him a follow uh, on Twitter. Uh, a really great addition to the Revolution press corps over the past few years. So thank you very much, Gustavo, for joining us tonight. Thank you, and please follow me on Instagram because I'm almost getting to 1,000 followers. It's the same uh, as the Twitter, guys. Thank you so much. All right, we'll, we'll link that out. Thank you, Gustavo. Uh, Paul, uh, I know you've been waiting a long time. Paul, what are your thoughts on tonight's reps game? Uh, first, I just want to say that Gustavo is absolutely right. If you haven't had a Brazilian hot dog, you got to try one. Uh, <laughs> regarding Cap Toom, I think it was a little interesting. They started him on the right side. And then when they started bringing on attackers, he kind of withdrew. And I wasn't really sure what position he was playing. Uh, he seemed a bit lost out there. A lot of times he was just asking for the ball. And when he got the ball, he didn't really do a whole lot with it. And I didn't really see him pressuring, to, pressuring the ball too much on defense either. So I'm not really sure what he was doing in the second half. He was kind of asked to do maybe more than he should. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you 100% there. Um yeah, I, I didn't notice that specifically. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I can't really add on to that. But, uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts? Uh, I, I saw it a little bit with uh, with his positioning and the fact that he he doesn't necessarily have a spot locked down for him. Uh, and I, I think that it was pretty evident tonight that Bruce doesn't have a, a specific you know, position for, for Captoom and, and, and how to use him because he, he was kind of all over the field and wasn't really deployed with any real tactics in mind. Yeah. I think we saw the game script for what this night was supposed to be back on September 22nd against the fire at soldier field. Uh, in that match, they rotated nine of 11 starters, just like tonight. Uh, I think it was everyone except for Turner and Kessler that night uh, that was rotated. Uh, they were only 1-1 at the half instead of down 1-0. Uh, so I think that was kind of the game script. Bring on Bo and Gila at halftime uh, and go chase the win. And I, if I, I, I you know, obviously my memory is pretty terrible. And I don't want to get cursed revs here. But uh, if I remember correctly, that was also – that was either a Wednesday game between two Saturday games or that was a Saturday game between two Wednesday games. That was a short rest uh, week uh, also. So uh, we've seen Bruce when there's this congested schedule of – three games over 10 days or three games over nine days, kind of maybe give 45 to, to uh, 30 to 45 minutes uh, for the designated players and the star players. So I'm not, I'm not totally shocked about uh, how he rolled out today. Yeah, that was the same format, three days off game, then two days off and another game. Uh, so it seems like that was kind of the script he was trying to write again. Absolutely. Um, well, Hey, I, I don't have a, a huge opinion on uh, your question uh, there, Paul, about uh, Captoon, but I, what I do have a strong opinion on is Galasso kits and their quality products. 
Uh, and I wanted to just tell you guys that Galasso Kit's mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does selection with every corner of the planet represented. Whether you are a diehard Revolution fan looking to stop up, stock up on gear for the MLS playoffs or a Manchester United fan living in shame, there is a kit for you. And if you're not sure what you want, you can check out their mystery kit packages where you enter in your size and what style of jersey you like, and Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams. Uh, Chris tried out the mystery kit option and ended up with a sweet Malaysian national team uh, jersey. And now Chris is a huge Malaysian national team fan. Huge matchups for Malaysia coming up against Cambodia and Laos in December. I know Chris is pumped about it. He'll tell you all about it, I'm sure. Uh, but getting back to Galasso kits, uh, they're amazing. You guys should check them out. Uh, GalassoKits.com for their full selection. And make sure you're following them on Instagram, at GalassoKits, and on Twitter, at GalassoKits as well. Uh, and when you find something you like, use promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and the code are in your show notes. Anyway. Before any more questions come in from that promo, I just want to move on and just continue talking about the uh, the revolution, please. You don't want to talk about the Malaysian national team? No, it's a, it's, it's a bad topic right now. <laughs> they, they, you know what they, they, they're, they've been knocked out of World Cup qualifying I know you're still a little upset about that Chris so I'm sorry to bring up some bad memories but, um, joining us from the press conference apparently the press conference is over because Sam uh, Minton from the Bent Musket is here Sam I know Adam Buxa held you up he was a little bit late tonight how are you doing what are your thoughts on the Revs game yeah, I'm doing good uh, yeah uh... Adam Buxo finally talked to us. It was nice getting to talk to him. But uh wanted to shout out Golasso Kits as well. This is a free ad because I am not sponsored by them. But I got a nice mystery kit as well as a nice uh, Ireland training talk coming my way. So that will be very fun. Uh, but, you know, overall, uh, I was had no expectations for this game. And just the fact that this team was able to come back and, you know, get a draw, you know, that it was really impressive to me. Obviously, you know, being at the press conference, I didn't know if you guys already talked about this, but I feel like I have to mention it. You know, our boy John Bell got some playing time. Uh, mm -hmm. had, had a few scraps with uh, Daryl DK. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to ask him about that, but just... How do we feel that our boy John Bell do, did tonight? Amazing. He actually did very good for someone who uh, hasn't really got that many minutes this whole season. Yeah, well, Chris, Chris, I, I know what your thoughts are, Chris, so I want you to go first, and then I'll, I'll chime in with my thoughts because I think I'm going to play devil's advocate here. So, Chris, give, give, us, the, uh, give us your thoughts. No, I, thought, I thought Bell had a fantastic match. I thought that he really showed that he is the – at least third center back on this roster. I don't think that he's, you know, leapfrogging Farrell or Kessler for one of the starting two spots, but I think that he showed he's a viable MLS center back. The attack that Orlando put out on the pitch is a really attack heavy and just a very skilled and, and powerful uh, attacking team. You know, you're looking at Nani, we all, you know, like to make fun of Nani and, and, and talk crap about, the way that he plays, and, you know, I don't like the way he plays at all, but, of course, he's a super skilled player. That's the reason he's on the pitch. That's the reason that he's a, a worldwide, you know, known player because he is that tight. He is that good. Even uh, Chris Muller, even though he's having a down year, he's still a fantastic uh, winger, and he's set to go over uh, somewhere in Europe. Uh, Daryl DK, of course, a powerhouse. And DK and Bell, that was, that was the matchup all night. 
And I thought that Bell overall did a very good job. You know, I, I know that maybe he didn't win every single matchup, but you know what? Daryl DK is going to beat you sometimes. That's just who Daryl DK is. And I think that you have to kind of take that on. I also saw Bell making some pretty damn good passes uh, going upfield. I also saw him make a couple passes that went out for throw-ins. But uh, overall, I thought, you know, his vision, his uh, attempts to try to, to move the ball down, down pitch and create an attack, when nothing else was working, I thought that was uh, very good by him. And just overall, I thought he was you know, positionally very good and had a, had a fantastic night. Football has him as a 6.6, which I think is a shame. But uh, I thought he had a good good match. And, Greg, that's it on my rant. I'll let you you play devil's advocate now. The only thing I'm going to add is that the play where Chris Muller shoots, he, um, there's a chipped ball from DK that goes across goal. Farrell kind of heads it away. Chris Muller volleys it and misses just wide. Probably should have been a goal. John Bell gets very beat on that. Uh, he's going one-on-one with DK, and DK is able to get around him. DK is just a little bit faster than, than John Bell. Um, it, it's just, you know, it, it was just a little bit of a mismatch going on one-on-one on that one. So um, I, I think John Bell overall did very well going up. Um, you know, chasing aerials against Daryl DK is a tough battle. Uh, and for a guy to come up from Revs 2, uh, you know, as he did earlier this year, and go up against, you know, a guy that was killing it in the uh, English Championship, you know that that's a tough that's a tough matchup, and I thought for the most part he did pretty well. Uh, but there were some moments where he just didn't seem to be a lockdown center back. And so I, I think you know if we're talking this in terms of did he take any minutes away from Henry Kessler tonight? I, I'm going to say no. I think Henry Kessler and Andrew Farrell is your pairing going forward. But uh, I think overall John Bell is a, a pretty solid center back. He can hang his uh, he can hold his head pretty high tonight. Uh, but when you say a six six rating, Chris. I'm honestly not very that's not too surprised by that because um, there were some moments. I think the first goal as well that header. You know, it wasn't really his fault. He's on DK. Nanny's coming uh, in, in behind him to head it. Uh, if you wanted to be a tough critic, you could say that uh, maybe Bell could have gotten to that cross. But I, I, I I'm not going to say that because he was marking DK. But um, the the play where DK beats him down on the wing. That, that kind of was a bring him back to reality. And, you know, maybe he's uh, the third center back, a very good third center back, though. Well, and Sam, I know you're a huge advocate on the announced John Bell movement and, and just John Bell in general. So I want to know what your takeaways were for John Bell's performance now. Yeah, um, I'm kind of, I, I would say I fall in the middle. You know, I, I definitely think it was a good performance. I definitely, especially going up against a player like Daryl DK, you know, credit to John for, you know, just being able – I love how I just called him John like we're friends. Uh, credit to Bell for, you know, being able to you know, have a good performance like that. Uh, but, I, you know, when you say 6.6 on, on foot mob, I, I'd probably say something maybe like 6.8, 6.9. That's kind of the range I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, but overall, you know, definitely think it's a great performance. A.J. De La Garza obviously playing a different position, but wasn't exactly his best night, so – you know, I think you really do have something in Bell. And also, too, you know, looking at Reb's two players, you have a guy like Masio coming back into the lineup. Um, obviously, I don't think he made a humongous impact, but I thought, you know, he looked good out there. And, you know, he just moves with that kind of pace that he has. And, you know, he's able to move the ball. He's able to get stuck in. And I, I was pretty, you know, happy with how he performed. So it's nice to see these players who kind of had good starts to regular season had some bumps in the road and now are kind of coming back into the fold. So I, you know, definitely when it comes to Bell, I thought he did well. There's definitely some room for improvement, but I don't think you complain about him being your third center back. It's a good situation to have. Um, 
So uh, unless there's any other questions, we do have some listener questions that I want to kind of cycle through. And I'll ask these kind of to the room, too. So Mike, Sam, Randy, Paul, uh, Adam Buchs, a number one fan. If you want to chime in and give your thoughts on these questions, feel free. If you are in uh, our chat, if you want to join in, there is a way to request uh, to join the conversation. So please uh, raise your hand. We will get to you as well. Or if you want to bring up something else, we can do that as well. Uh, But I do want to get through these listener questions uh, real quick. The first question from not blue, not te- uh, not green, it's teal. He says, not having Tommy back made me truly appreciate how great Tommy Mack has been this year. Can you talk about how great he has been so he get his, gets his props? Yeah, I think that's such a great point that maybe is overlooked from tonight's performance, but the fact that Tommy Mack wasn't out there, uh, it was really lacking. There was not a lot of cohesion in the midfield. There was not a lot of second balls being won in the midfield. Uh, and I don't necessarily put any blame towards that, towards, uh, you know, Maciel or Caicedo or even Captoom. Uh, Tristison, I thought that he had a, a pretty lousy night overall, but uh, he also wasn't even playing in the midfield, so that's kind of a moot point. Uh, but the, the McNamara point, I think it's it's such a good point that that's being brought up, and I think that it should be discussed a little bit at least. You know, even uh, on, on the Fox Sports broadcast, they were they were talking about Tommy McNamara being a vital point of the team, which that just sounds like bonkers talk when you when you think about it from the start of the season uh, when Tommy Mack was signed, and everyone thinks that he's going to be a depth piece, and he's he's really played uh, a real key role in in the Revs uh, and how they've won. The supporter shield now which is uh it's just a real fascinating story and just a, such a great job from him it almost felt like duan jones was playing two positions he was playing left back and going forward like tommy mack would have done yes yeah good point uh, i just want to kind of overall on the season i did have some tommy mcnamara stats pulled up and I accidentally closed out of it, which has kind of uh, screwed me up. So I'm going to stall for time. But overall in the season, Tommy Mack, 87% pass accuracy. Goals and assists wise, he's two goals, two assists, but he does add a um, deep threat. He does have some uh, long range shots that kind of keep their, uh, keep your opponents on their toes. And when you have so many other weapons, that just makes the player uh, a lot more valuable. Um, I know Tommy Mack talked about the trade that brought him to the revolution last year. And, you know, if you think about how the Revs got assets, uh, traded Zahibo for McNamara and Cash, uh, that is an amazing trade for the Revolution because McNamara has just continued to be money and has really solidified that central midfield position. We talk about guys that have stepped up uh, for Captoom, who's been a little disappointing. Uh, Tommy McNamara has probably been one of your better surprises for this season. So, yeah, he, he's really done a great job solidifying that midfield. And I, I think tonight seeing the, uh, you know, B team out there. Um, you know, obviously they miss Polster as well, but uh, I think Tommy McNamara is kind of a, another piece that kind of fits this puzzle pretty well. All right. Uh, let's move on. We did get a question from Christopher Cannon. I wanted to mention this. From, this is a really good one. Actually, I don't I'm kind of bummed. I didn't think of this joke earlier, but uh, could Adam Buxa win the golden head award? <laughs> uh, which I think is a, <laughs> I, I, that's a A plus comment. And actually it makes me want to think about what the, um, MLS record is for most goals scored from headers because uh, you got to think Adabuxa is up there somewhere. Uh, so I'm going to have to make a note. If we weren't doing this immediately after the game and if I had some time to research it, I might get that number for you. So um, I'm going to actually uh, do some research. I'll, I'll put Sean on that because that seems like something he would uh, spend a day of work doing. So uh, Josh Goulet said, so how am I supposed to feel about this game? I have so many mixed feelings, just so many uh, and I actually kind of struggled with this one, too, because it was a lot of fun to watch. But really, overall, are we supposed to really take anything away from it? We didn't even do our, our key takeaways. I don't know how the, the room is feeling, but I really struggle to see, you know, 
tomorrow I'm going to wake up. The revs are going to be in the exact same position. Uh, am I really supposed to be pumped about this this win? Um, I, I think really the fashion they won was a lot of fun, but I'm not totally sure if I'm supposed to feel that great about this uh, this draw against Orlando. Yeah, that I, I'm I'm in the same boat. Like I I was even watching the game. I didn't know how to feel about the game. They were losing two nothing, and I didn't even care. It didn't bother me. In fact, I was kind of bored watching the game. And I, I, I had mentioned this to you as well, Greg. And up until the the books a goal, I was just like having a real hard time to just enjoy the game because I was like, nothing's really happening. The Revs are losing. I don't really care. I'm not upset. I, I'm just so apathetic right now towards the game. It didn't make any difference to me whatsoever. Uh, when Buxa scored, uh, that of course changed because uh, I, I love Adam Buxa and I love watching him score goals. Um, so that that really turned my mood around. But I don't have a lot of takeaways from this game. I have a lot that I could talk about with Orlando City. If you want to talk about Orlando City tonight, we can do that. But otherwise, with the Revolution, I'm I'm really like grasping at straws trying to find real things that we should be focusing on. I think one thing we can look at is it's been a while since Craig's been able to post the image of Mr. Clean Sheet. It's been a while since we've been able to, to have zero in the uh, goals allowed category. It's a very, very, very good point. And uh, uh, something that I definitely think that we should be talking about more. Uh, Turner has been very slow, I think, overall uh, since the Gold Cup. And maybe it has been Turner's getting overworked and maybe something to the point of of Greg uh, when he opened the show, he mentioned why did uh, why did Turner not get the rest of all the players that are getting rest? Why didn't Knighton get a get a run out? Knighton's been very good for the Revolution so far this year when he has when he's filled in for Matt Turner. Obviously, because with the, the games that Matt Turner has missed, the Revolution wouldn't be have wouldn't be supporter shield winners if uh, Brad Knighton wasn't performing well. So I think that it would have made total sense to put Brad in there, give Matt a rest. Why not? Uh, and something's got to got to got to change because i mean that first goal that was scored it's such a matt turner shot that 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 type of save is what you are used to seeing matt save all the time he always gets down to his left to his right i think more often to his left and he gets down and makes those saves and he has really strong hands and can keep them out did not show that tonight i thought it was really uh, disappointing uh and and it set the tone um for most of the game yeah, and and you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned that the my comments earlier about Brad Knighton, and you talked about this a little bit on last week's uh, podcast, Chris. Yep. Uh, but you know, I, again, I just want to emphasize, you know, Matt Turner has played a lot this year, and there have been not just tonight, there have been a lot of goals that you just expect him to save. Um, maybe it's not like right at him, but it's to his side, and he's just not as sharp, and it, it's a little concerning. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's still playing well. He's still doing very well this season. I don't want to say that he's playing poorly, um, but he, you know, he, he isn't making miraculous saves time and time again. And certainly some of that is on the defense. But yeah, he, he just doesn't seem to be in as as good as he was last year or the year before. And I don't think it's his ability. I, I think it might just be that you know he's playing a ton. And, and I know that goalkeepers don't need as much rest as outfield players. But um, yeah, I, and and Brad Knighton too. You know, he was player of the week in his last game. The last time we saw Brad Knighton, he was player of the week against Philadelphia. So I'm not opposed to keeping your backup sharp. I mean, God forbid Matt Turner goes down. Are you going into the playoffs with Brad Knighton, who hasn't played since August? 
uh, that might be a tough ask. So I, I'm curious to see if they work in Knighton at all. I, I'm, I'm guessing they don't. I guess Matt Turner is going to get as much game time uh, as possible to keep him sharp. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Paul, I miss posting that Mr. Clean Sheet meme. Uh, I, hopefully we get to do it uh, on Wednesday. But it, the lack of uh, clean sheets is, is a real concern for the revolution right now. Wait, is it true that I think um, Brad Knight has more clean sheets than Matt Turner this year, right? Uh, I can double-check that really quick. That uh, does sound accurate. Unless they're tied. I'm not sure. Well, I'm going to ask the next question while I fact-check that real quick. <laughs> uh, but we did get a question from Tejan Stan on Discord. He said, thoughts on how Caicedo, Maciel, and Captune played uh, and apparently, Chris, you said Foxborough Stadium instead of Gillette Stadium. I don't know if it was in this podcast or the previous one, uh, but I just I, – they're calling us boomers because, on, on Discord because they said Foxborough Stadium. <laughs> well, every, so, everyone over on Discord is 18 years old, so that's fine. Call me a boomer. I don't care. I've owned, I'm owning it now. I, I did say yeah, Foxborough on this, on, this, on this recording, so it, it's now – uh, my computer might get corrupted after this, so who knows? Yeah, hashtag over 40 reps. But uh, <laughs> we've talked about Maciel. We've talked about Captube. Uh, let's give our thoughts on Luis Caicedo. Obviously, he's come back. I think he's been a little bit relatively ineffective. So uh, I'll go to you, Chris. And if someone wants to pick up after Chris, uh, what are our thoughts on Lu- Luis Caicedo and what's his role moving forward? Yeah, uh, Luis Caicedo, I'm, I'm happy to see him getting the minutes and getting out there. But, yeah, uh, ineffective, I think, is a perfect word to use for him. I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was good. He just kind of occupied space. Uh, you know, I mean, if you want to look at uh, the, the stats that he's putting up um, tonight, uh, he had, I mean, it was 96% passing, but he only he only had 23 passes, um, which it's good that, you know, only one was, was missed there. Uh, I, I always look at the touches. I think that's a key stat that you need to pay attention to. 27 touches on the night. He only played one half, so... I mean, take that with a grain of salt, but I think you also need to think that uh, uh, Casado is not playing 90 minutes still, and is that something that's a concern, or is that because uh, he's not impacting the game? Uh, overall, the whole first half roster was a bunch of essentially bench players, and we expect Casado to be more of a starting caliber player, at least when we think of Luis Casado the way that we remember him uh, back in 2019, and. Is he going to return to that player? I don't know, but it's also. Going to... No, I think we lost Chris there. Anyone have any thoughts on uh, Luis Caicedo while Chris uh, apparently reconnects? Um. Well, I think Luis Caicedo, 20, 2018 with uh, Pania, amazing player. It's just ever since his injury, he hasn't really been uh, able to find his groove. I mean, he was out for two whole years pretty much. So I think after that happens, it's really hard for a player to find his groove. But I'm kind of happy because we have seen some uh, sparks of old Caicedo uh, during his, during his uh, starts. So, I mean, I'm kind of happy for that. But I think it will take a while for him to get regular 90-minute uh, games. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, you know, we talk about the players that have kind of risen up in central midfield. It seems like Caicedo has lost a little bit of a step compared to prior years. Um, so I'm, I think he's going to be a bench player going forward into the playoffs. He's going to be a depth piece. Uh, and this is another guy that I think you kind of wanted to see a little bit from him today about, you know, maybe he's going to win some minutes going forward, but it's a crowded midfield and he just seems like he's a bit of an afterthought, which is, which is a real shame, but, um, yeah, not, not very high on, um, Luis Caicedo. Yeah, um, I think he, um, I think I felt like that obviously as we were talking about 20, uh, 2018 Caicedo was, 
a player I was really looking forward to see coming back. Obviously, he was out injured for a long time. You know, player's going to take time to, to adapt back to that. But if you kind of look what, what that brought into the squad, and I was, I'll was i be one to hold my hands up when I'm, I make a wrong prediction. Um, and I, I was not a fan of the Tommy Mack or Ulster signing at all. I thought both of them were bad pieces of business. Um, obviously, how, how wrong could one person be? Um, but yeah, I think that, that on the fact that, you know, obviously I, I never want to see any player become injured for a long period of time and then struggle for kind of some form coming back into the team. And I was really happy to see him get back on the pitch this season. But I think it's kind of, it, while it's happened, we've, we've had built this partnership of, of Polster and Martial really early on, which was, which was good to see. Uh, I think they're slightly too similar sometimes. Martial and Polster play a quite similar kind of style in some aspects. And uh, I think that's why maybe the McNamara Polster partnership works better but I do think that having the option to have a more defensive midfield partnership and then a slightly more attacking midfield partnership in Pulse and McNamara is, is, is just great to have then to have somebody of Luis Casado as a as a, a depth piece and, and whatever Captoon brings to us um, is really good to see and I am, I am gutted for Luis I, I would like to see him kind of hit the heights he was um, performing towards the, the, the back end uh, uh, before he got his injury but um, yeah to, to today's match though I didn't really see a lot from him as Chris kind of touched on though it wasn't a bad performance it just wasn't really much of an anything performance from him not standing out and when you have so many pieces in the midfield I think you need to stand out at this point this late in the season so great to see him back on the field uh, but again maybe he's going to be a defensive specialist going forward or something like that uh, some quick fact checking here uh, I just want to get this out of the way Brad Knighton has three clean sheets on the season Matt Turner has four so Knighton is very uh. close Matt Turner with four clean sheets in 22 games. Brad Knighton has three clean sheets in six games. Uh, so there is that real quick. I also want to point out, I've been bringing up, Matt Turner has been getting more of a workload than in seasons past. He has 26 games under his belt this season. He had 27 in 2018, uh, 20 in 2019, 20, 20, uh, 22 in 2020, and then 26 this year. Obviously, there is also the All-Star game. Obviously, there's also United States men's national team. Also, it's probably a little bit more of a congested schedule as well, so I still think my point is a little bit, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, viable. Uh, I still think he probably needs a little bit of a rest, uh, and I think kind of the uh, 10 days off following the Wednesday game is going to be a little bit helpful to Matt, who's been flying all over the place. Uh, but uh, one more thing on Matt Turner as well. We talk about how he's having a bit of a down year. Uh, just quickly looked up on American Soccer Analysis what his uh, goalkeeper expected goal numbers are. Uh, and he currently is at negative 5.76, which means he has saved uh, 5.76 goals over what is it expected. That is good for second in the league. He is trailing uh, Andre Blake, who is at nine, minus 6.66. Uh, Matt Turner usually leading this category. I feel like in the in years past, he's been at negative 8, uh, negative 9. Uh, so he's probably not on his pass as compared to uh, previous years, but still potentially the second best goalkeeper in the league uh, going off of this uh, expected goal stat. So just goes to show, you know, how much we expect from Matt Turner. We are talking about how he might be a little bit sluggish, still an elite MLS goalkeeper overall. Uh, one more question <laughs> here from Oscar. Uh, should we have waited until the last two games to rest our A team to avoid giving momentum to another playoff team? Uh, and I, uh, I, I believe that was, I don't know if that was Adam uh, Books, a fan number one, uh, who made that point. Uh, actually, it was probably, I think it might have been Randy. I forget who made that point earlier. Uh, but giving momentum to another playoff team, uh, potentially damaging. So I think we, we covered that one a little bit, but I don't know if anyone had thoughts on 
uh, that on whether or not we should have waited a little bit later in the season to rest uh, our players. But uh, anyone have any thoughts on that real quick? Nope. I'll, actually, why don't I change the question a little bit? How important is getting the points record? Does anyone here feel passionately, strongly one way or the other? Does yes. this record matter? Honestly, yeah. so when I was watching the game, uh, I was talking to my, my dad, and he was like, Oh, I'm just happy that that we won the uh, that we won the supporter show. I'm like, honestly, I'll, I I would really enjoy the points record because that would honestly make a statement for this club. Like we may have won the supporter shield, but imagine getting the all time points record that hopefully won't be beaten every year like previous years. I mean, seventy three points in a season. If we can get that, that would be amazing for this club. I mean, to have a Guinness World Record, that'd be kind of sick too. So. <laughs> Would a points record make Seattle fans stop talking crap? That's what I want to know, and I'm tired of of, of hearing the supporter shield doesn't mean anything because it's an unbalanced schedule. But you know what? The supporter shield was agreed upon uh, beginning of the season, so it, everyone had a fair shot at it. Everyone knew what the stakes were. You should have just got more points. Um, but if the Revs get get the the points record, is that something that you know, the rest of the league is going to have to accept, or are they going to be saying, oh, it's an unbalanced schedule again? I, I don't know. But do I think it's something that they should be chasing? Absolutely not. Do I think it's really cool if they get it? Absolutely. Well, I, I think it's, I mean, the league has always been unba- unbalanced. You know, this isn't the Premier League where you play every single team twice or whatever. You know, we, we've been playing teams three to four times in the East as opposed to, you know, how many times do we go to San Jose? You know, we'll play San Jose once a year and, you know, and then it's unbalanced. Sometimes you go west, sometimes you, you go east. So it, it's never going to be perfectly level either way. It just kind of is all out in the wash. There's never going to be a completely fair way of doing it. So, um, you know, I, I kind of mute all of that conversation. I don't know why Sounders fans were, were trying to rile up uh, and, and start this debate, you know, a day before we clinched the, the supporter shield. It just kind of seems to be sour grapes uh, in my mind. And I also want to throw out that, you know, Western Conference is better than the Eastern Conference narrative. I think that's complete crap. Um, I don't really know how, you know, I, I think there's been 20 games played between East and the West this year, so it's not really a big sample size. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't know what proof there is that the Western Conference is better than the Eastern Conference. The West has won one out of the last four or five MLS Cups. The defending MLS Cup champion is – you know, sitting in 11th place in the Eastern Conference, and they're still a pretty decent team. Um, I, I don't understand, you know, what this conspiracy theory is that because a certain number of teams have won 13 games, that the Western Conference is better than the East. It, it, it just seems like insane sour grapes, and I don't really mm-hmm. understand it coming from Sounders fans. You know, they've they've won trophies. It's not like you know they they've never gotten moments of glory. So I I, I don't understand uh, that that narrative that uh, some some people were trying to stir up this week. I, I guess people are just bored out on the West Coast. Well, I mean, look, technically one conference is definitely going to be better, right? That's just like a, a matter of fact. But being able to determine which one that is, is near impossible, if not actually impossible. And then when you go down and look at it, any difference is going to be extremely marginal. It's right. not going to be uh, four games left in the season winning the Supporters' Shield type of difference. It's... Uh, it's not going to be that 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 big of a of a difference. So we, we are we are ten games up. We're, we're ten points up on Seattle. Seattle lost to Houston last week. Why do they think they get to talk crap? Why C- Seattle ran out a bunch of middle schoolers against Austin FC and got a draw? 
what what it's not like some sort of you know insanely strong gauntlet of teams where week in week out they're facing premier league teams uh, I, I i'm not totally sure where this narrative is coming from and they're they're doing they're cherry picking these stats uh to pretend like it's amazing if if there's more 13 win teams in the west than there are in the east that might just mean that it's more top heavy it doesn't necessarily reflect the overall quality of the conference um so yeah o- overall i i that that annoyed that who got me on this rant i forget what we oh i did the points record no i, I yeah. want the points record i think it would be great everything adam buxa fan said is absolutely correct it puts the reps in the record book you become you're no longer the best team in the league you get to talk about you know, where does this compare to the Giovinco TFC team and that Red Bulls team from, from 2018 and the LAFC uh, 2019 team? Uh, there are a lot of really, really good teams that have been, um, you know, it's really put these teams on the map. And I, I think it's really elevating the revolution status in MLS overall as a, a powerhouse. So uh, anyway, before we move on, any thoughts on the points record or, or anything I've ranted about the last five minutes? I'll say this about the points record. It is kind of interesting that and potentially in the last three full seasons, so excluding last year's shortened season, we may have set the points record in three straight years with Toronto in 2018 and LAFC in 2019. So I don't know what that says about the league and maybe how great teams tend to be standing out a bit more recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's an interesting point too. And, and maybe to counter that, you know, is if the revolution set this point record, does someone hurdle it in a couple of years? Uh, it's, that's an interesting point as well. Adam Books, a fan, I saw you unmute yourself. Any thoughts on that? Um, well, actually, I had another question. But sure. um, so I was uh, listening to Extra Time, of course, uh, not the best podcast. This one's obviously better. But um, so Extra Time, Andrew Weeby, uh, Charlie Davies is on this one. Um, so they were talking about how, or Charlie Davies brought up the point that how many Revs players will be in the top 11 team of the MLS? And Charlie Davis brought up a good point. They're going to just say, like, the whole Seattle 11 pretty much is going to be on the top 11. But, like, why? I just don't understand because you have players, you have players like Adam Books at, what, 16 goals now? Uh, like, five assists. Gustavo Bo, 15 goals, like, eight assists. Like, I just don't understand why the Revs don't get as much recognition as, like, Seattle, who are literally down in the bin right now, who are going to have, like, six players in the top 11. And it's actually frustrating. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and it's not like, again, it, you can make the argument that because the East and West are isolated from each other, you know, if one, if one side has, you know, insanely weaker competition, Carlos Hill's numbers would be weaker in the West. But I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. You know, Adam Books is getting called up to Poland, you know, and, you know, I, Carlos Hill is, I, I don't know, I, I, I struggle to understand that logic overall. I, I think their their quality is very, very clear. And I think Seattle is one of those teams that just has been an MLS darling their entire existence. They've always been at the top. They're always going to MLS Cups. Uh, they are just a very strong team. And I think there's a lot of bias and a lot of name brand. And I think because the revolution who, you know, no MLS Cups, uh, you know, obviously went to the MLS Cup in 2014. But outside of that, the past few years have been rough. Um, I I think that, you know, just the prior um, thoughts on this team and these players that that I think that a lot of national pundits kind of got caught sleeping on these guys. Whereas Seattle, they're watching these guys every single week. I don't mean to speak ill of extra time. I like that podcast as well. Again, as you said, not as good a podcast as us, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, no, I, I just think it might be just some prior bias where they're going to give players who are on Seattle and LA Galaxy and LAFC 
uh, and Atlanta United a little bit more shine because those are household names. You know, to that point, I'm looking at the MLS All-Star game this past season, right, or this current season, the, this past All-Star game that we had, and the Revolution sent four players to the game. I mean, obviously only two players went to the game, um, but they had four players uh, selected to the All-Star roster. That was, you know, second only to, of course, Seattle, who had six players. Um, but it is interesting to see that the Revolution are getting a little bit more, you know, uh, notoriety from how well they are performing, and it's much well-deserved. Frankly, I think that the whole best 11 should just be half Seattle and half Reds players because I don't want to talk down about Seattle at all. They're a fantastic team, and their players on that roster are really good. Have you seen Kellen Rowe? Um, (laughs) But really, like like Jao Paulo, unreal player uh, in in midfield, and he's such a difference maker for their team. You know, even Stefan Fry, they're – their goalkeeper, who is one of my favorite goalkeepers in, in MLS, uh, is just so much fun to be able to watch. And of course, uh, you know, when you talk about Nico Ladero, you want to talk about um, uh, Ruby Diaz. Sure, he, he's now below Books on the Golden Boot race, but uh, people talk about Ruby Diaz a lot because he's actually a really lethal goal scorer. He's so good in front of the net. He's had a lot of injuries this year, and he's still putting up a lot of a lot of numbers and, and getting really high up on on the stat sheet. So yeah, a lot of a lot of these Seattle players really deserve the credit that they're getting. On the flip side, the Revolution players are just not getting the credit that they do deserve. So when when does that fix and it, I think that's just going to come with with success. You know, the Revolution winning trophies and 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 really establishing more of a name for themselves. And I think if they were to win MLS Cup, I think that would really elevate uh, the voting in the Revolution's favor and and have a lot more Revolution players in that first 11 over Seattle players. Agree 100%. Mike, anything to add? Sorry, I I hope I didn't cut you off there. Yeah. No, 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 it's fine. Um, Yeah, I I think it's, from kind of obviously like an outsider's perspective looking in on the MLS, it's, it is the fact that I think that Sounders have had such a, you know, they've got a lot of history on their brand already. They're, they were already more like, from the UK's point of view, they were a team talked about. Revolution, I, I never used to hear about them talked about at all. Um, where Sounders were because they were always in, well, there they are about at the end of the season. Um, it, it, but it is similar everywhere you go, like over here, when Leicester won the league in the, for the first time. Prior to them, doing it even up until the point where it was like until it was mathematically you know Leicester's title they still weren't getting that much coverage up until like the last few weeks when people were starting to do, do a narrative of of you know Jamie Vardy's come out of you know from non-league to, to now he's always <laughs> the, the Premier League trophy and you know and, and other players as well of, of a similar vein but and then and then Leicester then went on and had an amazing season had a, a rubbish start to the next season, sacked their manager, and then weren't really ever talked about again up until this season when they're starting to now, you know, play a little bit better. Brendan Rodgers has gone playing some some good football again, and they're, they're kind of getting there thereabouts. But they're still almost forgotten about again now. It's not they're they're, they're not always in the conversation. It is always about the the big six still, and they're not in my head that I would classify them in that big six conversation now. But some a lot of pundits in the UK still don't classify them as a, as a as a big team which is again it's just because they've got a one-off league uh, title under their name and, and that, that's it they've not they've never really been near there there again since 
confidence in. So I think the Reds fans, are, even if we do win it this season, it'll be great for us and obviously it'll be great for the whole brand and everything. But I think it doesn't necessarily mean that next season, if we're not kind of there or thereabouts again, that some bandwagon fans will unfortunately fall off. And, you know, it's, it's a great start and hopefully we can kind of, you know, get people on board and especially the media in Boston. Cause, I mean, you hardly ever see us <laughs> mentioned at all. Um, so it'd be mm. nice, um, but I think there's Boston still Globe. yeah, there's still a lot, there's still a lot of things that we can we need to do to. to uh, this is, uh, I think, the first stepping stone. And then we just need to build on it and keep keep going. Hopefully, it'll uh, tr- have more eyes on us, which means more, you know, celebrities might start talking about us. More high profile people might talk about us, uh, especially in the media. Then you know, who knows? There might be a stadium at some point in my lifetime. <laughs> so you know, it's it's all it's all it's all good, but I think we've still got to remember that that just one MLS Cup doesn't necessarily mean that we've we've, we've done it. Yeah, and if you can't start winning the cup again, I guess just start re-rolling that clip of uh, Matt Turner, you know, steamrolling uh, Wayne Rooney if you want to get national <laughs> notoriety. So uh, I, I will say, I think the media coverage is better, um, and I, I think there are there's more genuine interest this year because I remember 2014 and I I do genuinely think that there is more fans excited about this team and I I think too uh, and I'm not just saying this because he came on our podcast but I think it helps having Willie Whitelaw running the social media for the revolution as opposed to just great manager yeah your your generic tweets Um, and I I think it's a little bit more fun to be a Revs fan now than it did in say 2014 Um, and I'll also say that in 2014 you know, we talk about the Boston Globe. Um, I will, I will happily talk about uh, this. This is going to lead to a rant that I, I don't think we have enough time for because we're already over time. But you know, Dan Shaughnessy, you know, Revolution lose 2014 MLS Cup, and arguably the biggest sports writer, the biggest paper, tweeted out, "I'm glad the Revolution lost, so we no longer have to pretend that they are relevant." And from that moment forward, I, I realized that I am not going to let my enjoyment of this team hinge on the coverage of this team or how, how much the legacy media, um, you know, gives them coverage. Cause if I cared about what they said and what they did, I, I really would, you know, it, it would really take away a little bit of my enjoyment because there is this great team that's happening with the new England revolution right now. And if, if, if I was focused on, you know, I know when someone tweets out about, um, you know, they, they mention the other four teams and they forget about the revs. A lot of fans, you know, correct them and all that. And that's, that's fine. That's fine with me. Uh, but, I, but I also just think like, you know, it's one of those things that you, you can't take it too seriously because it's going to take away from your enjoyment a little bit. And I'm going to call out WEEI too, because two weeks ago they posted this nonsense. I shouldn't say nonsense article, but people gave, gave them crap because the Greg Hill show tweeted out, um, a poll about what they're excited about and one of the options was nothing uh so nothing made it into their poll above the revolution and that's a morning show that elizabeth pahoda you know was on earlier this summer it's not like they don't know the revolution exists so um and then we i posted you know it's time to respect the revs yada 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 um and i I went back before this podcast because i I actually was going to call them out for this i went back before this podcast and i scrolled their twitter feed and they have not tweeted out anything about the revolution winning the supporter shield they have not acknowledged on their Twitter feed that the Revolution uh, have won a major uh, championship. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's just a bunch of crap to say that it's time to respect the Revolution. The Revolution deserve more respect. Uh, and then instead of tweeting about the Revolution, 
you're tweeting about, and I'm not joking about this, they tweeted out about a Avery Bradley, who has not been on the Celtics for years, uh, not scoring a point, getting a rebound, getting an assist in 20 minutes. Uh, and, and, you know, Avery Bradley's been on the Lakers for three years or something like that. Um, and he, he's getting WEI's attention while the revolution fall by the wayside. So that, that's my little rant. I could go on for a long, long time about that. But whatever happens throughout here, you know, we'll be here. I know Tom Quinlan has his podcast. I wish Six Dates One Podcast was still going to be here. Um, you know, I, I think the revolution fan base that is on Twitter is way more fun than anything the Boston Globe can put in their uh, newspaper. So uh, I, I, I'm done caring about the Boston sports media landscape. And, and that's my rant. I, I think it's a bunch of crap. And uh, yeah, that, that, that is my rant right there. So sorry. Sorry for that went on too long. Um, I'm trying to. Oh, also, I do have one more question here. Uh, Chris, do you have anything to add before I move on from that? No, I was just gonna say it was very well said, and it's uh, it didn't go on long enough, if anything, you know. I, I, I could literally sit here and talk for two hours about how the Boston media has failed the revolution, um, and how the revolution—I uh, don't want to say enables it, but uh, I, I think is you know they're they're every time Wei or ninety-eight-five or does something, they toss them a bone, and you know I think fans seem to take it as a sign, and just never is, and it's 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 tough. But anyway, I, I could, as I say. That's another story for another day. I'll, I'll get into that rant another day. But Adam Books, a fan, you have anything to add before I move on here? Yeah, I'm going to say a quick point. It also doesn't help that Boston fans have been spoiled by these four teams constantly over the years. That just doesn't help, like, one bit. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And, you know, a lot of people made the comments about the Red Sox. And, and uh, you know, it was supposed to be a down year for the Red Sox. And I know a lot of people kind of made the best team in Boston um, comments. Uh, and I, I kind of, you know, I, I haven't really ranted about this too, but I think that Red Sox fans, you can coexist and be a Red Sox fan and be a Revs fan. And, and the, the thing I hate about that best team in Boston line is if the Red Sox are good, which they were, they, they just had a, a very successful season. I know it ended pretty poorly and, and very disappointingly, but, um, you know, you don't want to put your eggs in the basket as we're the winners of, of Boston uh, because you get bandwagon fans. I, I think that if you introduce people to soccer, they're going to they're gonna fall in love with it. I, I just know it. I know so many people that have gotten into soccer late in life. And so anyway, I, I, that's another rant for another day. But uh, I do have one more question here. It's getting late. It's 1130. It's past my bedtime. Uh, so I do have one more question here. But uh, Macho on Discord says, at this point, should the Revs just pay Adam Buxa whatever he wants to keep him here? Uh, that's a that's a very big question mark. Adam Buxa has kind of indicated that with his involvement with the Polish national team, he might be going back overseas. Um, and, you know, he, he apparently is under contract for one more year. I believe he, he made that comment that he is on a three-year contract, uh, but it seems like he is in talks with other teams and moving, and it seems like, I mean, Bruce Arena obviously hasn't commented. I don't think anyone's made the question because there won't be an answer. Uh, but, Chris, uh, any thoughts on uh, Adam Buxa and uh, if the Revolution should just give him a blank check to, to keep him here? I mean, first of all, I'm going to say no to the blank check. I think Buxa is an extremely valuable player, but not a – player that's worth giving a blank check to. He's not going to single-handedly go out there and win you a game. Um, you know, his performance tonight was fantastic. His performance a lot of nights is really, really good. I think that the amount of money that you're going to, you're, you're assuming that you're giving to Buxa on a blank check could go out and get a much more established, a much more well-rounded and already, you know, in the, in, at the peak of their career type player instead of a Buxa player. And if someone's coming in offering the revolution money for Buxa, you need to take that money this off season. I think uh, there's no way that Adam Buxa is going to be signing an extension to his contract. He made it clear when he first came over that he's only here as a way to help 
jumpstart his career. He saw MLS and the revolution as an opportunity for him to make, you know, a personal advancement and to, to, you know, hone on his skills and to get better. He had goals of playing for the Polish national team. He has now accomplished that thanks to his play in MLS. And he has made it clear that he has, does not plan on, on staying in MLS and he wants to, to go to Europe. And there's been a lot of talk about him going this offseason. So if that's going to happen, let it happen. Don't fight it. Let him do what he needs to do. I hope that he has all the success in the world wherever he does go. I'm going to have a lot of fun following him. I'm going to follow him much more than I'm going to follow Tejan Buchanan. Nothing Good. against Tejan Buchanan, but I'm just a, a bigger Buxa fan than I am Buchanan fan. And, uh, yeah, just uh, don't go writing blank checks like that. It's, you know, the only player on the team worthy of a blank check is Carly's heel. Carly's heel is not looking to go anywhere else. You mean to keep him happy. He's going to keep the team happy. He's going to keep producing. He's your playmaker. You need to build the team around Carly's heel, not around uh, uh, Adam Buxa. You don't build a team around a striker anyway, I don't think. So uh, no, no blank checks for me as much as I, I, I love Buxa, and I hate to say that. Um, I don't know. Adam Buxa, number one fan, do you have a, a, a different opinion there? No, I agree 100%. I've always wanted him to grow. Like I was when Golden Hand, you know, like last season would just criticize him. I'd always tell Golden Hand, give him a chance, give him a chance, give him a chance. Now, Golden Hand just thinks that Buxa is like an amazing player now. And I, I tell everyone this. I expect no less than $10 million for the man. Because that man is honestly a proven goal scorer. Like th- that's what some teams need—a proven tall goal scorer who can s- score goals off set pieces. Nowadays, it's like that—that that fast guy. But we see that Adam Buxa holds up the play well. He, he even like he gets those assists. He gets in the box. He's a very good target man and a very good goal scorer. And I would be happy to see him go to like per- uh, personally. I want to see him go to like. If it was Premier League, Leicester, I think I could see him at. But I would like to see him go to Bundesliga. I kind of follow Lewandowski's steps a little bit because he honestly could be the next Lewandowski. You know, it's interesting. I was watching the the match tonight. Uh, one side of the field, you have Daryl DK. The other side, you had Adam Buxa. And I was like, there's a real chance that, you know, in a few years, you could see these two playing against each other in a European competition, whether that be the Champions League or uh, a different, you know, domestic league to that whatever country that they might end up in. And that would be such a unique and, and fun scenario to see that match and then look back, hey, you know, four years ago, look at this match between, you know, Adam Busa and Daryl DK, uh, where it's going to, of course, highlight that uh, Daryl DK only got uh, a penalty goal and Adam Busa got a brace, which is going to be even better to look back at. Uh, but I was thinking about that tonight too. And, you know, those are two players from MLS that are going to be going somewhere uh, in Europe, I mean, obviously Adam Buchs is Polish. He wants to play closer to his to his family and in his home, um, and y- you have to respect that. But uh, it's it's going to be fun to to see where he goes, and I, I think the Revolution should cash in on any offers that they get for him because I don't think they're going to have any other opportunities for that. Agreed. I mean, yeah, and, and you oh, know when I, they bought, oh no, I, I was just going to say when they bought him, I think that they wanted to spin him into a profit. And they wanted to kind of build up this. Uh, they they saw a lot of potential with him, and they wanted to build him in, and sell him for profit. So if it's true he's entering his last year of the contract, I think this is the time to do it. So it sucks that he's he's finally hitting his stride, and um, but I, I think that this was kind of the intention for the revolution um, to build him up and and hit him at his uh, peak value. So uh, sorry, did you have anything to add there, Adam Buxafan? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, we saw earlier a huge report that Lester was actually looking into Adam Buxa 
So th- just that as a whole just makes me just want to see him grow more. Yes. Although they're not a big six team, according to the English uh, media. The, they are, honestly. They're bigger than Tottenham and Man United. I'm a Man Ooh. United fan, too. They're bigger. Well, sorry. You're lucky Sean's not here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we'd have to uh, – the Ben Musket with an absolutely uh, savage tweet <laughs> the other day. What was it? Like They counted the days since uh, the last Tottenham trophy, and they said zero days compared to zero days uh, for the Revolution. So, I mean, yeah, no, the, we, we, love our, we love our shots at Tottenham. So uh, you fit in very well here, Adam. Uh, the, the big six, honestly, at this point – I know this is the MLS podcast, but it's honestly just should be dismantled at this point. I'm not going to lie. It shouldn't be. I mean, there should be like a top three, like Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, Man City, and I'm not. Th- I'm not really sure what the third one could be. But... West Ham, right? Yeah, yeah, West Ham easily. <laughs> the, yeah. the greatest decision I ever made was uh, to stop being an Arsenal fan six years ago. I gotta say that Good. saved me a lot of time and a lot of stress. So yeah, my entire family's Arsenal fans, so that doesn't really help a lot. Thoughts, thoughts and prayers. That is uh, that's <laughs> not a fun one. Well, I, I, we're getting to 1130. Uh, this has gone on very well. Thank you, everyone, who have joined us here tonight. Uh, before we wrap up, I guess we have final thoughts. Chris, do you have any final thoughts before we depart here tonight? Look, I just want to reiterate the fact that the Revolution are officially 2021 MLS Supporter Shield winners. This is uh, such an amazing moment for the team, for the supporters, for everyone to enjoy. So everyone just soak it up. Enjoy this. Uh, who knows when we're going to see this again? Hopefully we see it again next year. Who knows? But uh, enjoy this moment. And, you know, if you can get to the game uh, November 7th, uh, they're going to have the, the, the presentation of the Supporter Shield there. Uh, try to get to that game, uh, enjoy it. Again, soak it up. Just just enjoy the moment because, uh, you know, these, these they're fleeting and who knows how many more times like these we're going to get. Yep. And, and, Adam Books, a fan, any, uh, any thoughts before we depart here tonight? Um, see you all at the MLS Cup final. Ooh, there we go. Hope uh, Cursed Revs is listening to this. So just to warn you, you might uh, you better better hope they make it. Well, either way, on November seventh, the Supporters Shield will be there as well. Uh, I suppose it's going to be there Wednesday. Uh, I, I assume it's already in the Revolution possession, uh, and I've seen some fans with it. So uh, either way, the Supporters Shield uh, is making its way to Foxborough. Extremely, extremely satisfying weekend uh, to be a Revolution fan. And I was personally hoping to get into you know the Revolution tying this game actually screwed up my podcast plans because I wanted to get into the supporter shield, uh, what it meant for the fans. Uh, I was hoping to ask a lot of the fans who, uh, obviously we have a bit of a smaller crowd right now, an hour into the podcast about what it means to them. But I guess we'll just have to do another Twitter spaces sometime uh, and kind of get more of a crowd in for that one and talk about uh, this 2021 season, and what the supporter shield means for them. Maybe we'll do that uh, at the end of the season. But uh, for now, it's 1130. Uh, we're getting to the end of our podcast here. And I just want to thank everyone who is still online, who has been with us for over an hour uh, listening to us talk about the revolution uh, and tonight's match. Uh, if you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap and please follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Also, please check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits, and use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. They have a great selection uh, of jerseys. You won't be disappointed. Uh, and please make sure you're subscribed to I- on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts to Revolution Recap. Uh, we are on- available on all platforms. Uh, and if you could, please rate and review us five stars. It helps people looking for Revolution content find it. There's a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon, and they need to know about this podcast. So please rate and review us five stars. Uh, and thank you to everyone. Adam Buxa fan, thank you for joining us. Paul, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, Mike, uh, Revs UK, 
Gustavo Lopez. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few people who have kind of come in and out. Uh, to everyone who is still listening to us, thank you so much for doing this uh, live Twitter spaces. We love the engagement. Uh, we love the interaction. We love giving fans a voice. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, Revs have a home midweek match against Colorado on Wednesday. No podcast for that one because of the midweek. Uh, we'll be off next weekend with no game. But we will have a recap podcast for the season finale November 7th uh, against Inter-Miami uh, and their five or six designated players. Until then, thank you, everyone, for listening, and go Revs.